This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, LS Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the Love strangers a swindon town fan podcast with me rich pullen proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that what a good shot oh, I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Cadwell! Hello, Fabrizio. Hello, hello, Rich. Thank you for the invite and uh, uh, looking forward to have a chat with you. Oh, it's an absolute privilege to have you on. But first, on behalf of all Swindon fans that are listening to this, I hope you and your family are well, because of course we're recording this at times which are quite crazy, but I hope you're all well over in Italy. Yes, uh, fortunately we we are we are okay. Me and my family we are here in uh, behind closed doors in my hometown, Genoa. Uh, this is the anyway. This is the only thing we we can do to uh, to to stop this virus to to spread. And uh, that's it. We have to we have to do that. Yeah, stay at home, everybody. So the way I like to start these podcasts is the same as I ask everybody else: is when you were young, when you were a child. Who did you support and who were your childhood football heroes? <laughs> uh, unfortunately for me, I'm, I'm quite old now. I'm 55. So my, my football roots uh, uh, are back in the 80s, maybe 70s, 80s. I, I, I will surprise you. Uh, I grown up in, uh, in the Sampdoria Academy and I had the privilege to, to play uh, just in the training sessions alongside Liam Brady uh, which is who is a legend you know in, in the, for the English football so especially 
when I was 18, my real my hero was was him because I I I, I remember I looked at him uh, like a role model. Also because I was playing in the same position. So Liam Brady came to to play to play for Sampdoria and uh, alongside Trevor Francis. But of course Trevor was a, was a striker. Liam was a midfielder like I was. So he was my my hero. I never been a, a real football fan. Can sound strange. Now I'm supporting Genoa, which is you know that in in Genoa there are two big clubs, Sampdoria and Genoa, and uh, I'm very much a Genoa supporter, but not that passionate. So you you start out at Sampdoria, and it's just at a stage where they they've just been in Syria B for a few years, and now they're in Syria A, and they're just about to start their rise through the 80s and early 90s. When I was a child. In the early 90s, I absolutely loved Sampdoria because of, you know, Viali and Mancini, who was there when when you played for them as well. And you had people like uh, Pietro, uh, my pronunciation is awful, but Viagwood. Yeah. yeah. Um, you had Ivano Borden, Fausto Pari, Luca Pellegrini. So you, you play for a hometown club. It's not the team you support anymore. What was it yeah. like being in those training sessions with Liam Brady and Trevor Francis? Is that where your sort of love of British and Irish football started? To be to be honest, the first thing that struck me the most it was uh, in uh, I remember it was the summer of uh, 1983, if I'm not wrong, and uh, we we went with the with the Sampdoria first team uh, in the preseason. And uh, I was at the same table with uh, Trevor Francis and Liam Brady. And before to, to eat uh, pasta, they, they asked for a cappuccino. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first very strange thing that uh, struck me because it, it was so strange, for uh, weird for, uh, for Italian people, someone who can drink cappuccino before to eat pasta. But that is just, you know, a funny, funny moment. I remember... I was a young, a young boy uh, coming through the the, 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 the academy, and uh, you can imagine to 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 stay and to train alongside this kind of legends uh, like Trevor Francis, Mancini, Liam Brady, and every single session was like, you know, the tension was so high because you want to perform, you want to 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 do your best to. To show that you can you can play alongside them, that this was this is the the, the first uh, the first uh, memory I, I and probably the the best memory I have for, from that time, but unfortunately for me, it didn't last too long because after that experience my football career wasn't so um, successful. So I I I, I end up playing for low league teams until I was uh, 33, 34. Then I stopped my career and I started to uh, work as a coach, first of all, in the, in the, with the young players in the lower leagues in Italy, and then uh, so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, you, you have something like a, from Sampdoria first season to your final season with Finale Ligara, is that correct? Yeah. Um, quite poor at pronunciation but I'll take that so there's about 20 years that you have playing lower league Italian football yes. what 
I mean, we'd be here all day if we talked about your playing career, but what was the standard like in comparison to, say, lower league English football? Mm. As you can imagine, I didn't have really the the chance to to watch lower leagues clubs uh, or lower leagues football uh, like what you you call Sunday football in uh, in England Mm -hmm. or United Kingdom. So I can't really compare. Uh, What can I say is that... When I played for some clubs, like San Remese, it was like fourth division in Italy. But fourth division in Italy is not, uh, you can't compare with the fourth division in, in England. You know, League Two in England is much, much more quality. Uh, there is much more quality than in the fourth, fourth division in Italy. I probably can compare fourth division in Italy with the uh, fifth uh, Tie in a uh, tire in uh, in England, like uh, I don't know if it's the National League or something like that. Yep, the yeah, National probably. League. Yeah. yeah, so I was. Uh, we can say that I was a National League player. That's nothing for wrong with 20, that. Uh, no, 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 but it's not bad because you can still earn some money in Italy playing in that uh, in, in in those those categories mm-hmm. uh, at that level. So it was quite satisfying because I had the chance to play and to earn some money alongside with my my job that was a bookseller ah. we can maybe can this is a, a, a something that people didn't know from my time at, uh, at Swindon because uh, I left my my job as a um, bookseller when I understood that coaching could be my job fortunately for me after three four years I had the chance to meet Paolo in a coaching course, during a coaching course in, in Italy. And um, he, I remember after this, at the end of this course, he, he told me uh, that if, I remember him saying, if one day I will have the chance to, to start my coaching career, I would like you to, to join me. And he did it. So he asked me after three years, when uh, there was the chance for him to, to come to Swindon, he made me a phone call. And uh, he asked me, do you want to come with me? Uh, it's not Man United, he said. It's <laughs> Swindon Town. But I said, England, for me, straight away. It took for me five, five minutes. I spoke with my wife. I said, we have to go. I have to go. It's my, it's my chance. It's, my, it's, the, it's the chance of my life. And that it was. Really, it was. Well, we'll get to Swindon in just a moment. But that, that, that's really interesting what you say there. So at what point? Were you still playing when you thought to yourself, I want to be a coach now? Or was there a bit in between? At what age were you beginning to think, I prefer the coaching side of football? I can say that I started to think as a coach already when I was playing, probably um, around my 30, 32. So nearly at the end of my my career, I was a midfielder. I, I was a holding midfielder as a player, my position. And so it was easy for me to to play and read the game and, and understand what happened in the game. Also, I remember that at that time I used to ask a lot to my coaches about why we do this during the training session, why we do that, uh, because I, I remember I wanted to know exactly the meaning behind a training, a, a drill or a, like, you know, a practice because I started to, to think that coaching could be my uh, extension to to my you know my career. Because I, as I said, 
I never had a big career as a footballer. Mm. So I remember exactly one thing that when I started to coach, I said to myself, what I didn't do as a player, I want to do as a coach. And I always had this strong determination to succeed as a coach. And I have to say that my 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 story said that I had much more uh, success as a coach than uh, uh, what I did as a as a footballer. Who were your main coaching influences when you were starting out? So when you were going into coaching, who did you look for? Because Italian football are full of great coaches, aren't they? Um, who were who were your main influences? Uh, when I started to to coach, I remember it was. My first uh, position as a coach was uh, with a young, a, a young, uh, a youth team in uh, in my hometown at the time. It was 2003. Jose Mourinho was probably at the time the best coach. So everyone was looking at him like um, a model. Like uh, also Guardiola, of course, Pep Guardiola. It was the time when he started to to grow a lot. You know, very quickly as a as a coach and my mm, as you said my model was probably it's always been Pep Guardiola now uh, after many years there are also other coaches uh, that I look uh, with a lot of respect like Bielsa uh, or uh, Sarri Maurizio Sarri who I think probably is the best coach in Italy for sure when you start coaching, you, you you try to pick something from different uh, directions and different people, different coaches, because probably you think that there is something it can be good for you, for your idea of football. But then happened that I started to work with Paolo. And of course, my focus was only uh, as assistant. One of the things you have to do is to focus exactly on what the manager or the head coach, call it as you like, wants. Uh, otherwise, the risk is that, yes, you can um, discuss with him about something different, but if if he's your, your idea is too much different, that is you're not the right assistant for, for the manager, if you know what I mean. Your vision can't be so different from the manager's one. And it was... That it was uh, happened with Paolo. Paolo had his own, of course, his own idea, idea his own uh, philosophy, and uh, I tried as much as I could to understand exactly what Paolo wants in terms of football philosophy, and this is what I tried, I, I, I did in, during my three years with him. Yeah, and before that, you get this really quite a cool sort of job working within Inter Milan's youth system, but in a worldwide yeah. project, wasn't it? So you were based out in yeah. China for a bit. Is that right? How did yeah. you get that? Uh, when I started to, to coach, I I want I knew that what I did as a player couldn't be enough to to start to coach because it's a totally different job. And then I, I tried to understand what, how and, and what I could do to improve as a as a coach, I end up to 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 start this collaboration with Inter Milan, and this first was like spot collaboration. Then, after a couple of years, it became like a consistent collaboration. I remember for four years basically I I traveled the world 
all around the world in different countries like China, Cuba, all the Eastern Europe. And what I did was basically to coach other coaches, you know, uh, according to the inter-academy guidelines, philosophy. And this helped me a lot because it was the chance to uh, meet people, to improve a bit my English, and and then to to uh, uh, have uh, access to this course where I, I met Paolo, and so I, I remember the, those four years with the Inter Milan like a turn, turning point in my career. Yeah, I mean, from somebody who played for so long at that sort of lower league Italian level, it must be really rewarding when very early into your coaching career you are getting work from organizations such as Inter Milan, one of the biggest teams in Italy. It's like, you know, you mentioned Jose Mourinho who played football, but he played at a low level and then he became yeah. what he became. It's, there's comparisons there for you, isn't there, to look up to him? I, uh, of course, I can't compare myself with Mourinho for many <laughs> reasons, but uh, at least for the, the, the basically the same yes the same uh, process that took myself and him to coaching professional coaching uh, there is another thing that um, I have in common with Mourinho because I did my A license in uh, in Scotland like like Mourinho himself did uh, not only him because also Villas Boas did this the same and uh, the, the year before me there was um, Espirito Santo, the Wolves coach, was there. So Scotland has been uh, very lucky for uh, <laughs> for many coaches. But as you said, I think that one uh, thing that uh, maybe is different from the um, English um, mentality rather than the European mentality in Europe, in Italy, in Portugal, Maybe even who uh, those coaches that didn't have a big career, they did never been a famous uh, players, can become big coaches. I the, at the time in England, I remember in those three years there was a big uh, um, let's say advantage for famous players to become straightaway coaches in England. So uh, I remember uh, clubs where a player who did who just finished playing um, it was appointed manager straight away so probably in england there is much more they give more value to to the the, foot, the playing career to become a coach if you know what i mean which i don't think is the right thing because uh, if you have been a great footballer it doesn't mean that you can become a great a great coach a great manager it's not only the non it's not always the case. No, absolutely not, and I completely agree. And I think we've had that in England for Chris Wilder, who's the manager of Sheffield United, where because he didn't have a glamorous career, every time Sheffield United do something good, but this guy's been working in, in coaching lower mm-hmm. levels for over a decade. But so it's no surprise for people who have watched his career, but to the sort of more Premier League centric observer it's a big shock but just because you played lower league football doesn't mean you can't be a top tier manager but there is a stigma in England where football fans will say he 
he he'll lose the dressing room because they don't respect the the manager's career, and it, it, it's it's remarkable, isn't it? No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Even if you even if you are a top, you have been a top footballer. After two days, you start your coaching career. After two days, the players judge you as a coach, not anymore as a footballer. Yeah. So the this is why many young coaches who have uh, finished their career, when they start to coach. The first few sessions, they want to be involved in the games with the players, with the, their players, because they want to show that they're still good. But the, the player, don't the players don't judge you as a as a player. They judge you as a coach. This is why uh, you have to be a, a coach, really a coach. It doesn't mean if you if you have been a great footballer. Otherwise, Diego Maradona uh, should be the best coach in the world, but he's not. Uh, and the players lose respect straight away. They don't. They don't. They don't care if you how good you have been as a footballer. But in England, there is also this, uh, and I respect that. I respect that. Don't get me wrong. But too many times I hear things like, "He knows the club," <laughs> something. You know, he put his heart on his sleeve. His blood is uh, red and white or uh, blue, black and blue, you know, whatever. Because to know the club, what does it mean to know? I know the club. Uh, of course, you know the club, but you have to know football. You have to know tactics. You have to know psychology. You have to know your players. I don't think the players are very interested if his manager know the club, you know, inside out. They want to have a coach who have a good vision, who have a strong plan who knows football, who know how to to, to, to put the team, uh, you know, the yeah. right team on the pitch. Uh, probably that could be right maybe many years ago when in England the manager was someone who had uh, uh, maybe the control of the of big part of the club. So managers like the old style manager in England, like uh, I don't remember, but you can name every, but Sir Alex, just to name one, just, they weren't just coaches, you know, they, they, they were part of the club. But now, nowadays it's, it's, it's changed, it's totally changed. Even the big names, they, are, they don't have so much control on the, the you know, the transfer market or uh, uh, what happened behind the scenes in the club. They just think about what they have to do to win the next game. Sure, absolutely. That was that was really interesting. So that coaching qualification, that, that training you went on where you met Paolo Di Canio for the first mm. time. And again, I'm always fixated on the sort of like the rise. So you're in this room and then suddenly these elite Serie A Premier League yeah. players walk in. What is that like for you sort of psychologically? Are you intimidated by that or you are you there to learn from them, take their experiences and, and, and go from there? Uh, the first thing you have to understand that when uh, uh, someone like me, without any mm, background as a footballer in terms of uh, uh, top level, as you said, I, I went there and uh, there was there was only Paolo because in the same cur course there was Paolo, uh, Eusebio Di Francesco who became uh, Serie A Roma uh, manager, Di Biagio, many former foot, footballer, uh, famous footballer in Italy. So there is a bit of 
you know, I don't want to say I was intimidated, but uh, you you shut your mouth, you listen, and you you don't want to show, you know, what what you're not because. But then you you soon realize that in some way they know that they are not anymore footballer. So we are in the same in the same uh, level at that in that moment because we start something new. It, it was new for everyone. I remember that probably I think this moment, that moment, like the moment where when Paolo decided to get more close to with me and to know me better, because there was like a normal lesson or something like that, and there there was the the coach made a question to to the the whole group, and uh, everyone gave the same answer. I wasn't sure about the answer that they the all the other gave and i raised my i i did raise my my arm and i said sorry i'm i don't agree with the with the others and there was a little bit of you know mm-hmm. uh, shock because probably i remember someone could think who is this guy you know <laughs> came from nothing and said something different from us i gave my my answer i i said I told what I thought it was good for that situation. And uh, after that, Paolo raised uh, his arm and said, I, I don't agree with everyone. I, I agree with Fabrizio, what with Fabrizio said. So that was the first link, the first moment. <laughs> and since that, we start to talk about football, blah, 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 blah. And... Uh, Probably I, I I want to I like to think that that moment was the the one who um, that gave Paolo the, the the desire to to work with me mm-hmm. uh, and this is what happened. But uh, of course it was six six weeks six weeks with the fantastic people because they were not only great footballer but uh, very good people and I learned a lot from from them uh, so I remember that course was was a big one for me yeah and, and like you already mentioned since then you've gone on and done your UEFA A and your pro licenses with the Scottish Football Association it's a really basic question I, I don't do any form of coaching never tried or anything like that but how hard is it hard uh, First of all, it was hard for me because, uh, as you can hear, my English is not so fluent and uh, uh, let alone doing a course, two courses, UEFA High, UEFA Pro in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> because Scottish accent is, uh, is uh, hard, very hard to understand. But compared, it was like, you know, comparing the, the courses in Scotland with the Italian one, the Italian one was, of course, was much easier, but it was more about listening, listening to people talking, you know, in a big room, in a big uh, sitting in your chair, on your chair. In Scotland was like, you know, a, a reality check because every every day we were we went on the pitch, uh, we did something uh, on the on the pitch. I had to take my uh, sessions with the others talking uh, in my broken English, but just because I did it with the uh, with determination, with the 
humility, with, uh, you know, like I think I am. I, I remember I heard the respect of the other people, the other Scottish coaches, and uh, my big satisfaction was that a couple of years ago, I, when I was in Finland, I, uh, I have been invited by the Scottish FA to uh, took uh, a speech. Oh, nice! To take a speech with uh, the 60 coaches, 60 Scottish coaches, talking about my defensive uh, uh, principles. So that was probably one of the best satisfactions of my career because uh, think about how difficult it can be to to stay with other people that speak a different language, but. Again, you know, I have to thank all my Scottish friends, my Scottish colleagues, because they have been so uh, f- helpful with me. Uh, it's been a great, a great experience in my in my development as a coach. Do you think you might find yourself in Scotland coaching at any point? Why not? Why not? I never, never say never. I, I always say to 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 the others or to myself. Uh, I always think that. Nineteenth uh, of February two thousand ten, I was uh, um, fired by a local club in Italy. You know, I was uh, uh, dismissed as a coach. And one year after, just one year and one month later, it was twenty fifth of March two thousand eleven. I was sitting on the Wembley bench for the. Uh, JPT trophy, JPT final. So, if this something like this can happen, can happen. Uh, whatever hap- can happen, you know, I can happen. Also, that I can come back to Scotland or England. One, why not? My dream is to, is to come back in England one day to to manage a club or, you know, yeah. uh, anything can happen in football. Richard. He's hit it, and it's deflected, and Swindon Town have the lead. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. What do you remember about those early days of joining Swindon Town? Of course, the, the first time I came to, to Swindon, I, I, I remember we were picked up uh, at the airport in London from uh, um, the chief executive at the time. I don't remember. Sorry, I don't remember. His... Uh, Nick no? W- Nick Watkins? Nick Watkins. Nick, Nick, Nick. Uh, we, we were picked and we were took straight away to the county ground. And for me, it was like, you know, to, to, to enter the, the heaven. Because when I came in, I, I could smell the, the tradition of English football. You know, this red uh, carpets, red uh, walls. Uh, trophies, the smell of the grass, you know, was something so big for me uh, because I, w- I, I was coming from lower leagues in Italy where um, there is nothing like that. So the first few days were just, you know, like a kid in, a, uh, in Christmas time <laughs> opening uh, boxes, you know, uh, but then I, I had to to focus on what I had to do, but again, I I, I always try to be I don't know the the, the English term, but like a low uh, profile, very low profile. 
And I had to do that because I couldn't do something that I wasn't prepared at that at that moment. But then I I remember I, I always counted on my football knowledge. That was I could do to help Paolo. But of course, he was the one who knew the, the English football. Uh, you know, after seven years uh, playing in uh, in in England, I always try to. Um, to understand, to know people, to to meet people, uh, you know, on the uh, behind behind the scenes, like like the people from in the office, like the the people working for for uh, around the, the team, the groundsmen. So trying to uh, create connections with the, with the people there, and uh, that was my first task straight away. Yeah, uh, and then. Uh, if you remember, at the time, uh, the club were, uh, was uh, came from a relegation, you remember, so it was like a rebuild. And uh, we spent, I remember, uh, spending a lot of time with Paolo to, to watch players. I know, I, I remember every day at least 10, 12 agents sending videos, sending, uh, uh, and we, we, we spent 24 hours a day, literally, to watch videos, to, to analyze players and to think, this could be right, this could be good for us, this, mm, this is not good enough. And of course, you made mistakes. You made, uh, you, you, it's, it's normal because you're like uh, uh, overwhelmed by, by, you know, so many informations and you have to, to build a team, you have to to build a project, a strategy, you have to uh, start to plan for the pre-season. So I remember this, those first few mm, days, like something mm, incredibly uh, heavy, hard to, ta- to, to, to take, but I, I remember I did it with so, into- so mm, much enthusiasm that I didn't even feel the, the tiredness. Uh, and then after three, four days, we, we, we started for the pre-season. We, went to, we came to Italy for the pre-season with a bunch of players, young players. Um, I think that probably half of the, those players didn't even take part, took part uh, of the season, the League Two season, because so many players left during the, the pre-season. Uh, other came. So it was like... Uh, a big, uh, a big um, party <laughs> sometimes <laughs> for me, you know, and for my colleagues. So it was so, so incredible, incredibly great, great to to, to stay there. And uh, I remember yeah. that. I mean, I've talked to a lot of players who played for you and Paolo, and they always talk about those those summers away in Italy and how how exhausting they were and you know you people like Cy Ferry being weighed and and Paolo going crazy because you know he, he probably wasn't as light as Paolo would have liked it um how tough was it for you guys you would have had your expectations Paolo had a loyal coaching staff and he would have said what he wanted from his players how tough was it to mold the current players that you had into what you guys wanted as footballers yeah the first and probably the most difficult thing at the beginning especially was to 
make players the players understand that what Paolo was asking to them to do uh, probably wasn't so easy to take straight away, but it could lead to a big a big success, a big satisfaction afterwards. But when you're a player, you don't know exactly which exactly what is this reward. So now, in that moment, you you can feel just the the the, the tiredness, the the mm, you know, of the the training sessions, the hard work, the the discipline, um, sometimes the strict rules that Paolo gave, not only to to the players but to ourselves, because I remember Paolo was strict with himself too, you know. Uh, Paolo wasn't the, the guy that asked someone to do something and he did the, the opposite. Because I remember Paolo, and he still is, very strict with himself, with the diet, uh, you know, rules in some way. So, But at the beginning was was very tough. Um, when the players started to understand and to see the reward, then it became so easy. Because uh, not easy, I don't want to say easy, it was still hard, still um, heavy sometimes for the players and especially training sessions, especially especially uh, every day, no Wednesday off. I remember this Wednesday off was uh, like a, a Simon Ferry can tell much better than me. I, I think the players were revolting in some way, but, you know, for this Wednesday off. But... Again, I'm sure that even those players who were mm, not very keen to, to accept some rules, when uh, they saw that in the games we were so dominating and uh, we, we, we were running much more than the others, then the player, but not only Swindon players, all the players, uh, they start to don't feel the same fatigue, the same uh, um, struggle, you know, struggle. They start to fly in some way. So that the uh, coming back to your first question, probably the most part, most difficult part was exactly this: to to try to be the connection as a coaching staff from what Paolo wanted to do and the players, and make them accept rather than understand because. A player will never be, any players uh, will never be so happy to to struggle during the training sessions, to, uh, but to accept and to, to say, okay, I have to do that because I know that this will be, uh, this will give me satisfaction, this will be rewar- rewarding. Mm. And there are there are several players throughout the one and a half seasons that you are there for that do disappear. So your Lee Coxes, your Medi Carouches, your Michael Timlins. We don't need to go into the the, the no. gory details of that, and we won't. I, re- I respect that. But is that because they went against what no. was being required of them? No, no, no one. Who, I I I can easily say this is something that. I, I can say no one went against Paolo or against the idea, but they simply couldn't cope with it. Sure. 
that's simple as that. Yeah. So yeah. no one did against something against, but probably I don't know. There is an in Italian uh, saying is that uh, sometimes not all the soldiers make it. <laughs> you know, someone die uh, in a battle. So uh, I have to say there were players and. To name one, I think uh, it's not a problem if I, de- if, if I can say that. I have a lot of respect for Simon Ferry because he was one of those players who at the beginning were struggling, was struggling the most. Uh, Paolo was very tough with him, but he had the uh, bollocks, I can say, uh, to, 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 to stand and uh, to start to fight for himself, for his position, and Paolo noticed that. So uh, he realized that Simon was trying to uh, to climb the, the, you know, and uh, at the end, I think Simon was one of the best players, especially uh, in the first season with us, just because he, he, he earned Paolo's respect. And, um, and not, not all the players made it. Some of them were or not physically prepared to, to do something, or uh, not mentally prepared, but not only English players, because if you remember Alberto Comazzi, the first Italian player that came uh, came in with uh, with us, Paolo took him uh, on board because he thought that in Italy he was a very good uh, professional, yeah. always playing Serie B, Serie, Serie C, and uh, the idea was that a centre-back in Italian centre-back could Mm, transfer to the other the idea, you know, of Paolo, Paolo, what, what Paolo wanted as a uh, in a defensive uh, moment, but he couldn't. He struggled straight straight away since the first day. He couldn't cope with the with the pace of the English football, and then he said, uh, "I give up," and he came back to Italy. So there are many players that had this. Uh, some of them were or not physically prepared. Some. Others were not mentally prepared, and they couldn't cope with uh, some rules, some discipline required to to try to to win something. Because yeah. I remember that one one something that Paolo uh, was always trying to reinforce with the players was if we do the same thing that the other clubs do, the other teams do, we we are not going to to succeed, we are not going to win. We have to do something extra. Mm. You know, this is why we took off the the Wednesday off, and uh, so our training regime was hard but rewarding, and uh, that was the, the I think the the key of success. Yeah. Also, the the way we played because we played very good football, very uh, effective, but also. I think attractive for the fans. Yeah, and I, I remember this from the first month of the first season, where we beat Crew three 0 and fans, you know what we're like. We care about what's happening on the pitch, so we think, well, this is the beginning of something great. And then we started losing all those games yeah. in August. But I remember at the time, the the call from the club was. This is a 46-game season. What happens in August? That's not, you know, knee-jerk. Let's not do anything silly now. It was We were given those promises that things will get better because they'll get fitter and they, 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 they get more in, on board with the philosophies and the tactics. And then, of course, after the August, 
it comes except for the Oxford games, it gets very, very good for Swindon, doesn't it? Yeah, but you named the, this uh, crew game. I remember after the crew game, of course, the the the, the whole uh, uh, club, uh, the so people were buzzing, you know, because we 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 beat Crew three 0 If I'm not wrong, yep. it was a good game against a good side. But then after that, we we went to Colchester. No, sorry, with uh, I don't remember exactly where we played. Cheltenham, yes, when we lost. Then we lost again. Uh, so, four um, defeats in a row. And this is something, um, of course, is uh, uh, something nobody knows. Uh, I remember one day, uh, Paolo went, went and said, um, the, we have a board meeting. And they, they usually only Paolo attended the, word, the board meetings. But that specific time, he said they want also you to came to come. I remember when we were going upstairs in the in the in the room, Paolo was saying to me, "If they want you as well, probably they they want to tell us that we are we are we are off. We 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 are fired after four games with four defeats, you know, and then." We went there and uh, we sat. We sat, and uh, there was Jeremy. There were Jeremy. There were Nick Watkins. There was uh, the owner. Um, I don't remember. So Andrew Black. Andrew Black, exactly. And then um, happened something that we didn't expect. So Jeremy took the start to talk and said, "Okay, four defeats," and said, "Asks." And asked Paolo, Paolo, tell me, what do you need to to improve this team? What do you need to 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 what we can do for you? So that was like uh, you know, a shock in, in a way, positive shock, because I, I remember I was so um, happy first, but to hear Jeremy saying something like that, so what we can do for you because that uh, show that the trust that the board had uh, in Paolo you know it's difficult after four defeats to 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 listen someone saying something like that and i remember paolo said okay we we need this this and this we need three players young players i want people who has the um, the will to to fight and that was the turning point of the of the season because Paolo felt this big trust from the club, and uh, and the club, w- the board was 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 uh, good to show and to uh, stand, you know, with Paolo in the difficult moment. Also after this, that uh, St- Leon Clark in- incident, you remember. So I think uh, I will always be grateful to Jeremy Ray for the time that we spent together, especially for that specific moment. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we're not going to go through every game from that fantastic season. So I'm going to ask you, first of all, what, what were your highlights of that first that first season at Swindon? There is no... I, I, I'm not sure I have a specific, a particular moment. But I remember this uh, growing, uh, ever-growing... Uh, um, Confidence. 
I remember after exactly after that that moment I told you. Then we the next game we won against Rotterdam, three mm-hmm. two home, with Alan Connell scoring twice if I'm not wrong. Uh, that was the, the the game where mm, everything started to 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 grow. And uh, after a, every game, I remember Paolo was writing on the wall the the table where we are now. And uh, and the next day we show the players we are here. We want to go now. The the target is to go here, then to go here. So to climb this table. And this became like a, a routine. And I remember every single game that we won and the team started to play with confidence. We were growing as a, as a team, as a players. And probably, yes, of course, there are moments of the season. I can remember a specific game where... Uh, it, but it's not about the league, it's more about this uh, JP Trophy. Uh, when we played against Barnett home, it was the semi-final, if I'm not wrong. Correct. We, we won. So to reach the final and to, to, to take the team to Wembley was the first uh, big achievement. And of course the final, uh, the JPT final, because uh, to, to go to Wembley, no, I remember I came on the pitch to take the warm-up with the, with the players. And there was, I remember, I came in with the team and with Domenico Doardo, the goalkeeping coach, he came to me and said, because like me, he, he always uh, worked in lower leagues in Italy. And he came to me and he said, he asked me, Fab, because he called me Fab, is it really true? Are we, are we dreaming <laughs> or, or is, it, is the reality? said, I don't know, but if it's a dream, it's a, it's a nice dream. We are in Wembley. And uh, so, many, many moments, uh, uh, fantastic moments in the first season, also in the second season. But the first season, of course, was so, was so successful, but was also uh, like exhausting, <laughs> in a, even if it was positive. Yeah. Also, the last game against Port Vale at home, when you know all the people came on the pitch to to celebrate. That was uh, one of the highlights of my entire career. Yeah, it was a really, really good day there. And I, I get that that notion of it being exhausting. It was kind of exhausting for fans as well because there was always something happening. Now, you know, the person that you work alongside is known to be really passionate and sometimes can that can boil over and things like that that's fair enough that that that's personality what what was your job in that would you just let paolo do his thing if he's you know putting his fist through a <laughs> the dugout at bournemouth or if he's just getting angry with the fans and reacting if swindon are losing was your job just to just keep the the game flowing or no uh, listen paolo uh, was exactly the person that everyone could see. Yeah. Uh, but there, there is a, mm, a different side of him that probably, of course, is not so evident, you know. And uh, Paolo was very... It wasn't only a passionate coach, someone who can, uh, you know, um, transfer to the players this passion, but... He was very detailed. Now we we spend a lot of time together to analyze the opponents, 
to talk about football to I, I did my part I did my my part which was basically opposition analysis because you know Paolo was a typical Italian coach who likes to lead the training sessions his own so I I, I remember I, I never did so so much during this, this, the week and the, but my job was much more you know in the office like studying the opponent the, and then of course I'm a totally different uh, type of person. So we were like the yin and the yang, you know, like the Chinese said, two sides different. Otherwise, if you are like him, we, it, it can't last too long. Yeah. So I always tried to, and I did it, to, to talk to, to Paolo and to, uh, to share with him my, my ideas. But like I always say that there's a good assistant uh, when the players or the people look at the assistant, have to um, to see the same. Uh, I have to speak the same language. I have to 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 speak the same uh, in the same way. I have to tell the same. So there, it, there can be a difference. Otherwise, the players can use this to to create some uh, or to have some alibi alibis or you know, uh, but. Paolo was much, much more in deep. Like I don't know how to say more. He was he was top of the class, wasn't he? When he did his his licenses, when he did his coaching badges, ah, exactly. He, he 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 was well up there, and and that was well documented at the time. So he was thorough, he was meticulous, um, which is where I think you're going there. And based on that, and Simon Ferry aside, out of the players that you worked with at Swindon. From from the beginning, when you had them for the first time, right the way until they ever left the club or or you guys left the club, which, which players are you most proud of developing during that time? Mm. Probably to when we understood that something that at at the beginning the players did with the they weren't happy to do, like for example this long uh, video meeting before the games where we. Uh, show the players maybe for one hour exactly all the details of the opponents. I remember the first time we did it, um, half of the players were uh, like you know struggling <laughs> to stay on the on their chair. And after maybe the, the many wins in a row, they they wanted to do that. They asked to do that because they understood that that was. A big part of our success to know exactly what could happen in the game. Uh, we show every single players of the opponent, so not just three or four, not just the three or um, the most important players. I remember we shown from the goalkeeper to the to the subs the substitutes, and of course at the beginning could be a little bit boring for the players, but then they understood that through that they had much, much, uh, many more weapons to to play, you know, to fight against the opponent. So to buy buy in the players was the probably one one of the, the best uh, achievements we we did in that uh, experience at Swindon, which is something that we probably we never really uh, did at Sunderland in Premier League. But I, this credit to our players at Swindon because. They wanted to to succeed with us, and they 
understood that they they doing that they they could achieve uh, something more like like we did then of course that that that's where we have in the comparison with Sunderland we you're dealing with third tier or fourth tier players but at Sunderland you're dealing with people that already have made it so to speak they're already there they don't they don't want to listen as much as maybe people that are trying to rise the leagues like Matt Ritchie and so forth are are trying to do right exactly exactly what what you say I have to to say that I found much more professionalism uh, during my time uh, from the players at Swindon uh, then in a few months at Sunderland. Uh, this is something I can easily say because uh, all the players... Then the second season was clear uh, that the players that remained from the first season, so like Simon or other players that were with us in League 2 and then also in League 1, I remember that when the new players were coming, like uh, Roberts or... Uh, Tommy Miller, they, the the old players were, you know, prepared to show how to 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 explain exactly what's going to what's going on, you know, and the play the new players were much much more prepared yeah. to yeah. to work with the, with under Paolo because of um, this information they 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 had from the the, the old players, and um, that was a satisfaction as, as well because. Uh, you could see that the old players were trying to help the new players to expe- accept uh, much, much more, uh, much easier than what they did, uh, thanks to their previous experience with Paul. Yeah, I've got to say, up until up until February, I preferred the the second season much more than the first season for everything you say really the the players that were brought in almost all of them landed in the sense that they were all very good you could see the development of people like Cy Ferry and Rafa De Vita was having a better season I think in season two as well and we were beating teams so convincingly four five nil we beat Brighton who were a championship team 3-0, 3-0, we beat Stoke, who were a Premier League team, and Burnley, and Burnley, Burnley. of course, and, and we only just have, uh, missed out on beating Aston Villa as well. We were really, really looked like we were onto something, and then it all come crashing down, didn't it? And and such is life, I know it's it's something that we're used to at Swindon, but I've got to say, that sort of February time, when uh, just before you take the team up at Tramier. Mm. It, it's it's probably and Matt Ritchie leaving to go to Bournemouth, who were a, a division rival. It's probably some of the tougher times that I've experienced. Really, I mean, we've been almost out of business a couple of times over the years when I've supported them. But this time, we we were we were struggling financially, but very very good, and we were so close to the championship, and we would have almost certainly achieved that had the financing. Or the financial backing of the owners continued, and that was a great, great shame. Yeah, of course, I don't want to go too much in the details of the of what happened, you know, uh, when when uh, we decided to leave. But uh, of course, uh, one month before we we left, since since one month before that we left, the, the, there wasn't anymore the same uh, the same feeling, the same uh, um, atmosphere. You know, inside the club, 
too many things happen, like, as you said, Matt Ricci leaving. That was probably the, 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 the worst moment of the, the whole experience at, at Swindon Town. Uh, and we didn't leave that moment. So, um, so it was hard to take, I remember. Uh, we spent a lot of energy and time to, to talk about what we have to do, what, what, is, what is better. We have, we, do we have to remain? Or, uh, it's, it's better if we leave because, you know, there was so many things happened that looked like someone wanted to uh, break the, the toy that, uh, you know, was working so well. And uh, in the end, Paolo decided to, to, to resign. And uh, of course, there was this Trammer game. Uh, and I, of course, the, the fact that I led the team to that game was uh, already planned with Paolo because he worked with the team the whole week. There wasn't the time, really the time to, to for the even for the club to, to, to send someone else there. And also, uh, there was the chance, it, it would have been the chance if we won the game, as we did, to to go first in the table. And I remember I, I was said that the first, the first idea was to live together. But that was one of the time where when Paolo listened to me <laughs> and I told him, listen, but why to live now and not live with the team, top of the team, of the table? And so we did that. We won, and uh, and then we left. But we, when we left, I have to to be honest with you. Uh, I accepted because that was the the idea, the plan, uh, and and this is what we did as a, as a staff. But I left. Uh, I was was one of the worst day of my life because I was so happy. My family was so happy to to stay at Swindon. I had a lot of friends. I lived in Marlborough. And uh, my my life and my family were so uh, so happy to to live there. So for me, I, I would have been there for years. Uh, I love the club, and uh, in the you know in the hindsight, if I I think is the right word, uh, I don't know what could happen if we uh, could stay there. Probably we have. We, we 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 should win the, win the league and to go championship and maybe we who knows who knows if they won send me off every game no problem i will win this league anyway because my team is a strong team they're worth we play football even if they send me off we win this league no problem i know what the answer is but was there a little bit of you that would have stayed had they said, would you take the team for the rest of the season? No, I, I have to be honest. Uh, they, they, they offered me the chance, probably you know that. But when you are a coach coming from lower leagues and you, you know that someone like Paolo gave the, the, the chance to, to, to work with him, uh, and he could choose anyone, but he chose me. And uh, I cannot accept sure. for anything. You know, mm, there is something nobody knows. But when we 
uh, left Sunderland when we were dismissed from Sunderland. One month later, I had the chance, I had an offer to to go to Watford to work in the in the staff of an Italian coach, Sannino. Yeah, who went to what Giuseppe Sannino because they. Uh, they in the staff there was no one talking speaking English, and they struggled a lot. So Sanino needed someone who knew the the English football, and he worked there already. So they offered me the job from someone through someone else, and uh, I I didn't accept because I said uh, I it could be like you know I couldn't I couldn't do that because I was there with the, with Paolo for Paolo, and then I I, I couldn't accept that. So sometimes, you know, I, I know that also when uh, when we were there, uh, we were there. There was stories about, you know, I was like someone who always followed Paolo. Uh, I never spoke because Paolo was was the the right the, the the only one to do that. But people have to understand that when you are so loyal to someone, uh, you you can't you can't uh, do something against or you know. Because uh, there is loyalty in life, there is uh, respect in life. Someone who chooses you among m- many thousand of other people, and uh, so the, for this reason, I, I will always be grateful f- with uh, to, to Paolo. Also, because since we will we split, I mean, we is not working anymore. So I start to do my my own career. But my what I'm doing now is because of what I did with Paolo in some way, you know, yeah. because I had the chance to, to reach professional football thanks to to him. So, uh, that's it. Yeah, and, and although it didn't go well, again, given your career before, going into the stadium of light and looking around and... and reaching that level and beating Newcastle United in the in the in the Tyne and Weir derby and things like that when things were going well again it's it's about those small moments and their huge achievements though aren't they for for you in your career when you can talk to future employers and say this is what I've done this is what I've worked with it's still you know we again we only see things from the micro level the level where we see that you're only there for what five six seven months but you got there you made it there and and that the premier league is is a huge huge moment absolutely so one of the another one of probably one uh, of the highlights of my career was this newcastle derby you know that was uh, absolutely incredible 55000 people uh, probably 52000 shouting against us and <laughs> uh, and winning there three 0 was uh, you know we were over the moon uh, and that was the moment uh, that you know gave the the club the 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 feeling that Paolo could be the right the right uh, coach also for them. The problem was that the second season, uh, basically. The second season at Sunderland was uh, similar to our first season at Swindon. Uh, so we started well, quite well in the pre-season, but then we had three, the f- three or four defeats uh, in the in the league. And what happened? What didn't happen at Swindon? So uh, happened at Sunderland. So uh, a different, 
outcome. Yeah. Swindon, Jeremy told us what we can do for you. At Sunderland, uh, uh, they called us and they said, bye. Uh, but completely different environment, completely different uh, players. Uh, even if it was Premier League, I always say to, to my, my wife and my family, when I, when, and my friends as well, when they ask me, what do you remember from your English time, from uh, your experience in England? I always say Swindon, you know. is Even if I was a part of, a, of an English, on a Premier League club, when I think about England and my experience in England as a, as a professional, my two years at Swindon, are uh, what I I take you know in my in my mind and my heart because they were so it was so nice to arrive at, on at the county ground in the morning at Sunday morning before the game with the people waiting for us and uh, ask and uh, wishing wishing uh, good luck uh, so you could you could feel that the, the people were was with us. You know, when you after the games, when Paolo remained on the field, <laughs> and the, and the the crowd were were chanting. You know, it was was a, a strong emotions, and uh, you can't you can't easily forget these these moments. So, it's and, a, and we're not going to see by the sounds of it, we're not going to see yourself and Paolo team up again. Is he finished with management now? Well, uh, I again never say never. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you with Paolo, I always I, I'm in touch with with him, of course, not frequently like we were, of course, when we were working together. But taking account that he lives in Rome, and I work I work at S Roma now, so I we live in the same in the same town, but we we don't meet because now he's doing something different, and I'm doing my my own coaching career. But still, there is a lot of uh, uh, respect, and uh, sometimes we, we we are in touch. We, we share messages. I always, uh, of course, now it's almost eight years, seven seven eight years that is not uh, working. I don't know what what is he wants to do in the future. Yeah. And uh, uh, but I. I can't say now. I can't tell now if one day if he will start again to coach and they will ask me to to join him. Probably, I I, I can accept again because you know uh, I know that working with him is uh, like a roller co- roller coaster <laughs> of emotions and uh, but I have to say that I learned a lot from him. Yeah. Never say never. No, I mean it's it's worked out really well for you. Obviously, you've you've coached in Portugal. You've yeah. uh, you've you've coached academy level with Sampdoria. You've you've done scouting for the Italian FA. You've you've taken into Turku to the cup final and won, beating yeah. uh, HJK. And now you're at Roma coaching within the youth system. I think it's the under 17s you look after. So yes. that that all comes from what you've achieved within your career you don't just walk into Roma and and get a job you have to earn it yeah. don't you and and that is a huge huge club to be a part of now so do you think Absolutely. do you think you're happy just to coach within like within the youth system I know I know it's like a never say never if if Swindon came a calling and you might move back to Marlborough or something like that but I mean these are huge clubs we're talking about now you you you're working 
for Rome, Roma, that's yeah. massive. Paolo won't be happy because he's Lazio, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yes. But no, uh, listen, until uh, two years ago, of course, I, I, I was a head coach uh, in Finland for uh, Inter Turku. And as you said, I, I had the privilege uh, to, to, to lead them to this cup final. It was one of the, again, one of my bet, best achievement because then the team uh, could uh, uh, go to the Europa League qualifiers. So I, w- I would like to, of course, to, to go back to first team level. But rather than be in Italy, maybe in some small clubs with financial problems, uh, struggling to, you know, to get money or results, it's much better to to stay in a, in an environment like S Roma, even if at youth level, because anyway, it's a it's, it's a big club, it's a huge club. But I always said that if I would have ever the chance to come back to England, even league to uh, league to league to level, I would do that, because you know uh, I know that English football is uh, probably the best the best environment. For, uh, for uh, anyone involved in football, coach or, fo- or players, uh, I know that other Italian coaches uh, had the chance to, to work in England, maybe not with the same success that Paolo had. I know, I am a pro-licensed coach now. I, had, I did my experience after my, um, Paolo, so, and now I know that I, I could do that. Uh, I'm ready to do that, but uh, I'm not patronizing myself now. But um, of course, one day, one day in the future, when Richie Wellens will will be a Man United manager because <laughs> he's doing so well. Uh, of course, I would like to have the chance to to come back. Maybe not anymore, like as assistant, but maybe as a head coach, as a manager. Well, that would be interesting, wouldn't wouldn't it? So let's close because you. You've talked so fondly of your time at Swindon, and I always like to end it on a Swindon note. So, to finish off, the final question. When you think of Swindon Town, what's the lasting memory that you have? I'm a, a like quite emotional guy. So, uh, the pre-match routine, when we played home at the county ground, I remember we had uh, uh, like uh, the same routine on the match days. Paolo and myself uh, in our office and uh, the team man, I, I, I don't remember his name, the old guy that was curly, curly coming in our office with the, with the cups of, of tea, biscuits, and we, he was sitting with us Paolo was talking to him about the game. He was probably the first one to know the the, the starting eleven after me. <laughs> so that routine is something like I I always have in my mind like the best. You know when as a coach when you think what is the best moment, that was the that probably the, the this is probably the best memory. Not even the the game itself. You know because all the games were 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 nice. Were is is. There are good memories, but that routine, routine be, be, mm, before the game and after the game, when most of the times we 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 were successful, especially at the county ground. I remember after the game, Paolo went for the interviews. 
and our families came came uh, in the office uh, the atmosphere the, the the happiness that we we could smell you know around the the, the, the place the the, the the fans waiting for us after the game i i think that was probably it, it this is probably the best memory i i i have from my swindon uh, time lovely what a lovely way to end fabrizio thank you very much Thank you and uh, good luck to all the Swindon fans and for this season. Hopefully that will uh, will come to an end and uh, we can see we can uh, we can see foot Swindon Town in League One next season. The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon! It's a grand old team to play for. And it's a grand old team to see. You know the history. It's enough to make your heart go. I don't care what the Newcastle say. What the hell do we care? Cause we only know that there's gonna be a show. And it's wind and time. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.